All right, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Pints and Diplomacy. Today is Thursday, August 26th, and today we are cutting straight through the nonsense, straight through the news. We're not going to do any of that, no bits, nothing. We're going to cut straight to the interview with America's most badass county supervisor, hands down, one of the most insane interviews we've ever done. The content is unreal. It's something you're absolutely going to want to listen to. Uh, we've I consider this person a cross between Kid Rock and Barbara Streisand, somebody with that middle finger, Johnny Cash kind of attitude, says what they want, but is actually informed and has the Barbara Streisand liberal mentality. John Green is the county supervisor for Johnson County, which includes Iowa City. Now, during this interview, you're probably going to hear some cicadas in the background as we were out in the elements at John's uh, Big Twig establishment. He calls it the Big Twig. We we're out uh, at his family's location. It's something that was a unique, warm interview as it was about 90 degrees. So again, no news updates, no bits, no co- just straight content coming your way, and we hope you enjoy. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to say is fear itself. You're working hard to put food on your family. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! So we'd like to welcome you to another episode of Pints and Diplomacy. I am your host, Tyler Stewart. I'm your co-host, Ryan Comer. And tonight we have a different episode for you. We are going to do a pure interview with the Johnson County Supervisor, John Green. And we have John here, so we'd like to introduce to you the Supervisor of Johnson County, John Green. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for having me. We follow you on Twitter. You have a very interesting profile on Twitter. It's one that attracted my attention early. I mean, your appearance is different than what we than people would traditionally expect of a politician or somebody that's in elected office. Um, is that just you being you? Yeah. And that's just kind of how you've always been. You kind of have that just no bullshit look. Well, I mean, you know, I've grown up and I've found myself, you know, I've grown into myself. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is basically just me being me and it's kind of difficult for me to be anybody else. So, like, the, the one tweet that you had that I absolutely loved, and I sent it to Ryan because it was hilarious. You were at Hinterland. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of friends go to that, that festival, and it was fun to see the pictures. But you had a picture of yourself, and it looked like you were, I mean, it was hot, you were sweating, and you had a, a cigarette hanging out of your mouth, and it, that cowboy hat look. And it was just, to me, real a real look into a real life of somebody that's an elected official. Like, there's no... There's no curtain pulled over. You're just kind of being you. Yeah, we're humans too, you know. And yeah. some of us try and do some window dressing, but you know, as someone who's read a lot of John Le Carre, uh, you know, it's it's difficult to maintain that sort of duality. It's I find it it's a hell of a lot easier to just be yourself and let the let the cards fall where they may. Is that something that came with age, or is that just always been the way you are? And no, I think it's I've always been weird. And so that's made it easier, you know. There's a picture that I posted that circulates on Twitter every once in a while. It's me of, I think, in like fifth or sixth grade. I've got a Samsonite briefcase. I'm in a three-piece suit with a clip-on tie. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, it's a wonder. I've never been in a fight. I've just had the shit kicked out of me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's just easier being yourself, even if that's weird. Yeah. I, for a second, I thought you were gonna say there's like a, a popular meme that goes around of a kid that's like seven years old with like a bowl cut drinking a beer and like had a. I'm like, <laughs> I swear to God, if we found the guy that that's the picture of, that's that's gonna blow my mind. Um, another thing, we're on the way down. We were talking 
Uh, we read your story about how you got into politics. Um, how you used to work for the former governor of of uh, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And can you just like, because our listeners might not be aware of all those things, but could you share just your story? And it was a fascinating story. We thought it was awesome. Could you share that story a little bit? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming out to the Big Twig, uh, putting this together in our backyard. So this is the property that my grandparents lived on for okay. 90% of their lives. They go way back. My dad and my aunt were born here and grew up here. My grandparents passed about 10 years ago. My ex-wife and I ended up buying this place. But in between, I'm originally from Wyoming. My dad was in the Air Force. He was stationed at Warren out in Cheyenne. That's where he ran into my mother. They got together. I come along. We were out there. I was still just a wee little duffer. Uh, We moved to Colorado Springs for about a year, and then we come out here. We lived in this house for a little bit, and we got a place over in Nichols, so I mostly grew up in Nichols, which is just seven miles east of here. Went to West Liberty School for kindergarten through sixth grade, and then transferred over here. Graduated in Lone Tree 2001. My parents live a block yonder way. Uh, if somebody would cut the damn weeds around here, you could see their house. <laughs> I've always been interested in journalism and politics. I've got an uncle on my mother's side. He was a uh, aide to Wyoming Senator Al Simpson, who, oh. if you remember back the Simpson Bowles thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, thinking back to the photo of me with the briefcase and the clip-on tie, you know, <laughs> one of my prized possessions is my uncle managed to get me a photograph or an autographed photo of senator simpson that's in my office right now so i've always been a nerd about this stuff that's awesome and it's just been going back and forth between journalism which gave me an appreciation for someone who's out of power but trying to be a check to it the fourth estate uh but also gave me you know, the, the ability and training and discipline to be able to really dive in to a lot of the minutia. Uh, you know, if you cover public meetings, you get these packets that are full of legalese and stuff, and you really have to be willing to tug hard on the threads to chase it down. And so I did newspapers. That's how I got back to Wyoming, graduated college, moved out to Thermopolis, which is in north central Wyoming, Bighorn Basin. Okay. Worked there for a couple of years, and then uh, Wyoming's first uh, legal distillery opened just up the street from us, and the governor come into town to give it his blessing and whatnot. And I happened to be chatting with one of his uh, representatives, and she turned out to be his acting press secretary, and she's like, you know, I'd kind of like to go back to my regular job. Maybe you should apply for it. And I did. I got hired, and I fucking sucked at it. <laughs> Made it all of about four months because, you know, a lot of a lot of journalists do make that transition from uh, hack to flack. Yeah. But for me, it was difficult. Well, first of all, it was just a big transition, and second of all, it was hard for me to to refocus into, for lack of a better word, doing propaganda work. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and I think that also informs your earlier question about why is it that, you know, I'm my authentic self or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. because a lot of my background and history has been trying to see through Bull. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there are a lot of carefully curated political folks in Iowa, especially at this level, at the county level. But I do think that a lot of folks are somewhat tentative and they want to be private. And they have that right to privacy. 
but at the same time for me it's just easier you know do my thing be out there everybody knows where i'm coming from even if they hate it so you but you said uh four months yeah about four months was that a hey we'd like you to resign or did they fire you or you just like i'm just gonna move on yeah so it it was things were sideways enough that it was like we want you to resign and so i resigned and this was at like one o'clock in the afternoon and (laughs) i i was overwhelmed i was shell-shocked and so you know, I, I did all of the termination stuff that you got to do. Mm-hmm. And I had that finished up by like 2.30. And then I sat in my office from 2.30 until 5 waiting for somebody to come escort me out of the building or whatever. At 5 o'clock, the chief of staff pops his head in the door. He's like, uh, what's up? I'm like, well, what's the process? He's like, turn in your badge and keys. You're free to go. We're not going to throw you out on your ear. <laughs> uh it didn't work out, but it wasn't like it was, you know, one of those things where yeah. you get escorted to the door and then they mail you your personal effects later. But again, I was not to make a bad pun, but to make a bad pun, I was pretty green and uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just a lot going on. I was living in this, and this place ain't exactly the Hilton either, but I was living in a rough rental place, you know, and it was just dealing with everything. So it was like, all right. And from there, I uh, took a part-time gig where I was teaching at a diploma mill, career college, mm-hmm. public speaking, uh, computer stuff. I've got a bit of a background in IT, too. That's what I was doing professionally before I got elected to supervisor. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was pretty bushwhacked at that point. Went back into private sector. This is when I was in radio for about three and a half years helping town square media they own a lot of stations in the state okay. uh do a lot of their digital transformation stuff they were just coming together at this point and town square in cheyenne was on the third floor of a bank building on the second story was their it shop i'm a smoker i'd go out to smoke and i could see down where the bank employees would smoke well fast forward three and a half years i'm at the chamber of commerce banquet in cheyenne I go to get a beer, and the guy ahead of me in line, he orders a scotch and milk. Scotch and milk? Scotch and milk. Whole milk. The hell? And I, I don't know, know who thing. this guy is, but I, I've seen him. I've seen him yeah. out there smoking. I'm like, what in the hell are you up to? And he says, this is what I drink. And Jesus. we got to talking, and it turns out he ran the bank's IT division. And he's like, I see you, and, uh, you know, would you be interested to come work for me? Well, I mean, I love computers. I've diddled with them a long time, but I don't have any real credentials. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I, I want people I can work with. I can train the skills. Yeah. If, if you've got the soft skills, if you've got the disposition for it, and he says, what would it take you to come over? And I said, well, I mean, i got to think about it. He said, how much you making? And I said, I think it was like 32 grand. And he's like, well, tell you what, I'll double that, and after six weeks, we can revisit it and see how much more we can get you if you put in your two weeks tomorrow. And I said, hold on just a sec. I'm going to go call my boss and put in my two weeks tonight. <laughs> right? <laughs> Is that guy still hiring? Yeah, no kid. Right? That's more than I get paid right now. Exactly. Yeah. God. And it was just one of those at the right place at the right time. Just, uh, again, the he was talking about the soft skills and just being willing to engage somebody who's basically a stranger and just razz him for ordering a scotch and whole milk. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. People skills, just joking around. Yeah. Social skills, yeah. And so got into IT, 
got married. My now ex-wife, she's we were high school sweethearts, lived here in town, known one another, so we decided to move back to Iowa so we could be near to family. That didn't work out. Mm-hmm. We split, but we're still friends. She lives up in Decorah. She works for Toppling Goliath these days. Oh, been there a few times. Yeah. Big right. fan. Yeah. yeah. You know, whenever I uh, buy a King Sioux, I just say this is an alimony bear. <laughs> ah. that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and got hired on to do IT work for a financial services firm in Fairfield. Mm-hmm. I was doing that for six and a half years. In 2017, you know, once a journalist, always a journalist. So I try and go to city council meetings whenever I can. I was in a city council meeting and... Uh, there was a elderly couple, they're probably in their mid-80s, and they were there to complain about flooding issues that they were having in their garage. Okay. Because Lone Tree, it's a small town. Yep. We don't have many concrete streets. Most of what we do is chip seal. And if you do chip seal without grinding the street surface, the street just keeps getting taller and taller, which causes runoff issues, yada, yada, yada. The city made the decision that's what they wanted to do because that's what they could afford to do, but it just pissed me off the way that the mayor at the time treated these old folks. She just was a jerk to them. Mm -hmm. So I got the decision that I was going to run for mayor. I ran for mayor. I won. I uh, beat the incumbent by eight votes, I think, 101 to 109. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah, and then I come in as mayor. Did that for a couple of years, spent every free moment, all of my PTO doing that, made a thousand bucks a year. It was exhausting and rewarding. Being mayor paid a thousand dollars a year. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, Lone Tree deserves better than what I was able to give at the time was my calculus that, uh, you know, I tried hard to get the council to spend a switch from a mayor to a hired city administrator. Unfortunately, the money wasn't there, and so they passed on that. So you were trying to terminate your own job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care about any of that. I want good stuff to happen. That's a professional like, city administrator is going to be somebody who maybe has like a master's in public administration or yeah. something, and the ability to devote forty, fifty hours a week to it mm-hmm. to, to write grants to go out and find grants, stuff that, frankly, I didn't have enough time to do because I was working 50, 60 hours a week in IT. Okay. And so I was just disappointed in, not disappointed in myself, but disappointed in the circumstance that I couldn't give the time and attention to it that mm-hmm. I thought that it really deserved. But I will note that while the council didn't bite on transitioning to a city administrator form of government, the one of the last votes that was taken before I stood down as mayor is they did increase the salary from one thousand to two thousand dollars. Oh, that's a hundred percent raise. That's yeah. huge. That's big. Wait, but but if the way that, that about, works, if you don't talk about the actual dollar amount, like that sounds really yeah, hundred <laughs> percent well, yeah, raise. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. You know, you, you're advocating kind of eliminating a job that you had. Almost sounds like Rick Perry. I remember when he was running for president. And he, they asked him, you know, what three departments are you going to get rid of? And one of them, I believe, was Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. And then Trump nominated him depart- head of or Secretary of Energy. Well, the crazy thing is, if my memory serves, the this was in one of the pre-primary Republican debates. Yep. Yeah. What yep. were the three agencies? And he forgot one of the agencies, <laughs> yeah. and it was Energy. Yeah, that was the one. He forgot it, and it was that was one of those like debate moments where it ruined his his, his run there a little bit, almost like. Chris Christie laying into Marco Rubio that one time with those canned statements. Mm-hmm. That was spectacular. 
good stuff. But when you elect a vandal like Donald Trump to office, that's also an excellent resume builder to become the director of the Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. So before we get into any any real heavy heavy hitter type questions, do you want to go ahead and on the record like go ahead and give your address out? Because I heard uh, that is a reoccurring tweet yeah. that you that you share is your address for anybody that disagrees. Yep. If you have vehement disagreement with me, my address is 207 North DeVoe Street, Lone Tree, Iowa, 52755. Well, boom. We can bleep that out if you want. Or we can leave that, we can leave that <laughs> well, in there. If, if, you know how to, if our listeners know how to use Twitter, which they probably do if they're on, you know, listening to us through um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, mm-hmm. or they probably have the Twitter um, and can look that up if they wanted to. But what's, so I, I, I was reading about that, and you said, like, maybe I need to change the tone now that I'm representing the county. So what was the initial, do you remember what the ini- mm-hmm. when you initially tweeted that yeah, out? Absolutely. There are two things. So first of all is a recognition that a lot of people not like me, not straight white presenting dudes, come in for a hell of a lot of abuse online and in real life. And so it was kind of meant as a statement of solidarity with them in that, yeah, I posted that. You know what? I've never had some loco show up on my doorstep or whatever. And it's just like as an illustration, this is a pretty significant, not not a double standard, but different people get treated differently. Uh, women, especially women who are minorities, face a hell of a lot more abuse than white dudes do. Right. That was part of it. Part of it is also... Uh, I think that elected officials have a responsibility to be transparent and to take abuse from our constituents when people want to yell at us. Uh, We shouldn't hide behind process. We should be out there. And it all goes back to the former mayor's treatment of that elderly couple. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. It might not be that I'm in a position, that the city's in a position to solve your problem. But, by God, it is our responsibility to sit here and listen to you and to do it respectfully and let you be heard and seen. And so, yeah, I, you know, it's I've not made a big uh, mystery of what my cellular number is. People know where to find me if they want to drive out here, hopefully to have a beer, but whatever. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we need to be accessible. No, Ross Smith, who we interviewed last week, made a comment about that. He said, Iowans vote for people who they're likely or, or willing to sit down and have a beer with mm-hmm. and just to discuss politics. And I think that that's kind of why we started doing this podcast because we like to drink beer. We like politics. And it's to me, it's kind of nice to build that bond with somebody that is in a, a position of power or an elected official. And it's nice to humanize them a little bit. And that's why I thought you were so fascinating with your appearance, your authentic look. Um, you aren't ashamed of who you are and you're real and people can relate to real. And it's nice to know that, you know, this isn't a fake version of you. You just, who they see is what they get. Yeah, and not to maybe get too metaphysical, but I read something at the weekend that really fascinated me about how there are an infinite number versions of yourself. There oh, is shit. how I self-conceive of myself, but your conception of me is different from that. Yours is, and, you know, my mother's is, and my neighbor's is. And so, you know, that's very fascinating because I present the same, but... You know, nobody is here 24 hours a day monitoring what I'm doing. And so everybody sees just a little different piece of the whole. And then, of course, me, what I see, you know, it's it's the classic thing when you listen to a recording of your own voice, how different it sounds oh, from yeah. what it sounds like in your own head. Yeah, It's yep. like 
even how you observe yourself is a distortion. And so, yeah, I'm trying to be authentic and real and my own self, but at the same time, I also realize that how people perceive that is going to be wildly different depending upon what they've witnessed and what they bring to their own perceptions. That put me in a little bit of a mental pretzel there. That was pretty deep. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, it's so true. Like I was, as, as you're talking, I'm like, well, yeah, like every, the, your, all your life experiences impact how you see the, everything around you, how you interpret everything. Nurture. You know, like. Nurture. Yeah. Nurture. Yeah. Versus nature. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, but it's just, yeah, no, that's <laughs> exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's yeah. good. That was good. You have another one lined up ready? Um, well, so I, this one's a little bit more light, probably. Do you want me to, okay, do you want me to hit, go with a, a serious I one? Heavy. I can go heavy. So then you, so after, um, like you kind of left politics for a little bit too then, right? Mm-hmm. And then 2016, uh, Bernie Sanders yep. campaign, and then again in 2020, mm-hmm. that kind of got you fired back up. And so, like, just recently, I was having a conversation with somebody, and we were talking, because I also uh, got involved with Bernie's campaign both times around, and um, I felt, I got a little bit more disheartened, I guess, by the experience, because I felt like the party that I had supported kind of turned their back on Bernie a little bit, and that, I was bothered by that, I guess. And so, I just recently, was having a conversation with somebody about that. Could you talk a little bit about how that, like, kind of... Maybe relit the fire a little mm-hmm. bit for you? Yeah, 2016 was a difficult cycle, uh, even before you get into the trauma of Trump having one at the end. Yeah. Everything leading up to it uh, was difficult. For whatever reason, you know, it's clear that Secretary Clinton and Senator Sanders just do not like one another. And that certainly also presented in their staffs, in their surrogates, and... I will take my lumps here, too. We all could have been a little bit more uh, kind to one another. But at the same time, it's also understandable why everybody's hair was on fire. Because, you know, as the uh, conservative guy wrote, I can't remember his name, but when he was making his argument for why, you know, good good rock rib conservatives should support Trump at the end of the day, he called it the Flight 93 election. Oh, Jesus. Right, yeah. That's the bad start. Yeah. But everything, everybody thought everything was existential. And I happen to believe it still is. I believe it for different reasons. I think income inequality, Mm -hmm. the lack of access to universal health care, student loan debt, the fact that my partner and I, we just closed on a house yesterday, that that's something that's unobtainium for a lot of people of our generation, Mm -hmm. we're damn lucky. Uh, You know, climate change, it is about a zillion degrees out here right now. Uh, Just looking around my own yard, stuff has been growing earlier and at different time periods in general than it usually does. There's no such thing as normal weather in Iowa anymore. It's either 100 degrees or freezing cold winter. Yeah, and it's, it's also like we're not getting a lot less rain than we did 20 years ago, but we're getting all of that rain in three deluges over mm-hmm. the course of a year. The derecho. The derecho. Actually, we had a derecho here in Lone Tree in 98. It oh, screwed really? all kinds of stuff up, but Lone Tree's a small town, and so it didn't rate the news coverage sure. Cedar Rapids did. And and that's not a knock on anybody. What Cedar Rapids went through was unprecedented. Right. 
the uh, meteorologist might take issue with me for this particular turn of phrase, but uh, Liz Lenz is absolutely right to call it an inland hurricane. Mm-hmm. That might not be the meteorological phenomena that generated it, but that very viscerally captures yeah. the impact of what that storm system was. How'd, that, how'd, how'd this place, how'd the big twig hold up against that? Oh, it sucked. I uh, bet. Over at my folks' place, where we're at here at my grandparents' place, just because it's so sheltered, there was a lot of tree damage and stuff. Uh, a tree limb went over the back of the house and screwed a little bit up, but it wasn't bad. Over at my folks' place, they don't have a basement. They've got a root cellar in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So we were all down there, and a soft maple limb came across the door. We had to wait for somebody to come chainsaw us out of our own damn basement. Oh my! And God. then in the house, it blew the house over, I think, 1.3 degrees. And so That's if there wild. was a door that was closed, you couldn't open it. And okay. if there was a door that was open, you couldn't close it. It's an old house, plaster and lath. It blew plaster off the walls and stuff, wrecked a bunch of windows. And that's just two houses. Lots of places in town took similar damage. We didn't have potable water out of our faucets for a long time because our uh, water plant didn't have a jenny capable mm-hmm. of sustaining operations. The National Guard eventually showed up and got that taken care of. So they've still got a big trailer-mounted generator in case we have something like that happen again. It was eye-opening. You know, in 98, I was in 10th grade or in between 10th and 11th grade or 9th and 10th grade or whatever. So I was still just a kid. Uh, But, you know, I really, really deeply appreciate it. Even though it never got the news coverage that Cedar Rapids did last year, a lot of people still showed up and Mm -hmm. still helped. I have no idea who they are, where they're at, where they're from, but they just showed up and did the damn work. Johnson County just changed their name to Johnson County. You just changed the the different, I guess, the the namesake, apparently. Yeah, the the eponym, I believe, is the linguistic term for it. Sure, sure. And uh, people were... People were pissed. Some people were pissed. Some people were, but and that, so can you tell the listeners, our listeners, why? Like, what was the reason behind? It? I mean, I know I, I, it makes sense to me. It mm-hmm. was uh, to me, it was brilliant. When I first read the article, I thought, oh my god, the reasoning behind it. Oh, they're gonna have to change signage. There's gonna be people are gonna find any reason to get pissed about that. And then I saw, no, it's just gonna be Johnson County named mm-hmm. after a different person with the last name Johnson. I thought, brilliant. Yeah, that's a that makes sense. Yeah, and I want to preface all this by saying that I had the privilege of being able to vote on the final enabling step of this change but all of this work happened prior to my election okay so uh so if they have a problem with this don't come to your house no, no, on this no one. come to my come, <laughs> come to my house come to my house because i i did vote for it but the the hard work was done by supervisors that were there prior to me mm-hmm. uh to a lot of community activists so they they all deserve all of the credit I am happy to take any of the blame if somebody uh, somebody sent me an email. Uh, I posted it to Twitter. I can't remember the exact language that she said, but, you know, so blah, 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 waste of time. Uh, black people own slaves, too, and I'll get into the context behind what that means in just a moment. And my reply to her was basically, I have received your correspondence, and I have started a new file. And I've placed it in there. This is the file that says, is from people who do not support this change. I've placed that file next to the extant file 
that is pretty significant of the people who do support this change. Overwhelmingly, mm-hmm. it has run toward support instead of opposition. You know, uh, if, if you change the brand of toilet paper in the county administration building, somebody's going to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has been startling to me how overwhelming the support for this change has been. So previously, Johnson County was named after a former United States vice president from Kentucky who was a slave old and son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason that Johnson County was named Johnson County is just that happened to be the time when Iowa was getting uh, platted and carved out of the ter- uh, Wisconsin Territory, I believe. And, you know, he happened to be a former vice president at the time, I believe. So now we are named for Dr. Lulu Johnson, who was one of the first uh, black women who studied at the University of Iowa, uh, formerly the State University of Iowa. Uh, she, uh, I believe she received her doctorate there as well, taught there, taught out east, but was just, you know, uh, a pioneer here in Iowa for women's rights, or, or women's accomplishment in the face of all the barriers that there were in the late 19th century to that certainly for the accomplishments of black women in Iowa. We, we still see it today. Iowa has got a racism problem, and mm-hmm. that isn't a new thing. It goes all the way back. So it was certainly, I appreciated the opportunity to be able to, you know, give some kudos to somebody who came up in an even much more difficult time uh, than we find ourselves today. What do you what do you say to people that w- that make the comment? Because I hear it all the time. You can't change history. We're not changing history. Yeah. We're we're changing the county's namesake. And believe me, there's been enough original research done on this thing. There's been enough media coverage. We're not erasing history. There is going to be a long and substantial historical record of what the eponym of Johnson County was prior to this change, about the process to make this change, what we are changing is what we want to value about our history. Yeah. Vice President Johnson was still a slave-holding son of a bitch from the state of Kentucky who was a vice president. That hasn't changed. We aren't saying that didn't happen. We're simply saying that when it comes to who we want to honor, respect, and memorialize, Dr. Lou Johnson is where we want that focus to be. That's great. I that's a perfect way to put it. Because my biggest thing is I try to explain to people, you know, when they tear down statues and stuff, or even when they name schools after a former slave owner like Robert E. Lee. I mean, how is it fair for a black child to go to a school named after a former slave owner, somebody that viewed them as less than human? Why can't why put the statue in a museum then? And then mm-hmm. we'll then it'll be real history. We'll actually talk about the significance of it. Yeah, the, the context, the yeah, context exactly. that a museum can provide. Yep, statues are for memorializing people, and we shouldn't be more memorializing. I guess people, in your words, son of a bitch slaveholders. Here, here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Drink to that. Absolutely. That's one that frustrates me a little bit. You know, that's it's just a go-to argument that it's almost a fallacy. It doesn't. They're wrong. They're oh just yeah, flat it's, wrong. It's, it's a classic straw man. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you'll find somebody who is actually arguing in good faith, mm-hmm. and generally, you know, if you have a respectful conversation with them, you can you can draw them out, and you know, they might not become an enthusiastic supporter of the change, but at least they understand what's going on. 
that's not, yeah. we're not removing this from the history textbooks. God knows our history textbooks are fucked up enough. Now we've got new law that we can't talk about divisive racial concepts. What the fuck is that about? That's my class. We, that's our class, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our, we yeah, teach that stuff. Studies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got hard shit that we have to deal with from our past if we're going to do better in our present and our future. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying, you guys are teachers. Yep. You know how intelligent kids are. You know how empathetic kids are. Mm-hmm. You know, that I wish that we could all hold on to a degree of our childhood when you do have that open-mindedness, when you do have that innate empathy that just through the hardships and difficulties of growing up and living in a hard world gets worn down, and now we're saying we can't talk about that, that's the history erasure I want to talk about. I'm going to clip the fuck out of that. Yeah, I'm going to clip good. the fuck out of that. That was great. <laughs> that was perfect. That was awesome. Yeah, oh, but my it God. ain't bullshit. No, no, it's the truth. No, that's the truth. That's the, the reality rea- that we're yeah. living you got another one? Yeah, I'm going to lighten the mood Yeah, that might bit. be a good that idea. That was heavy stuff. <laughs> All right. But that's, I mean, that's what, that's life too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, we interviewed Rob Sand. Um, that was pretty early on yeah. in the, in our podcast. But, um, so, he's a big breakfast pizza guy. Oh, God. Um, I thought you said you were going to lighten this up. <laughs> I'm trying to lighten it. I am. This, All right. Let's have So, it. You're, you're like what, steps away from a Casey's. Rob Sand was pro come and go breakfast pizza. Mm-hmm. Do you have a preference come and go or Casey's breakfast pizza? It's all shit. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. No. Are we, this is a shut hot the take recording here. off here for a hot second. Take. I you, need to recover. You live mere steps away from a Casey's and you don't like breakfast pizza. I occasionally eat it. I right before you gentlemen showed up, I had a Dale slice of cold supreme pizza from Casey's. <laughs> uh, Eleanor, my uh, partner, she flew out. We had to get up at 3.30 this morning, oh. and so last night it was like, oh, we're just going to get some fucking pizza. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's there, it works, but here in Lone Tree, you've got Casey's, and we have one remaining tavern, that's all that you've got for food options. Our grocery store, which is the Tan Building right there, that closed in October of seventeen. This is a food desert. He's literally pointing to to all the stops in Lone Tree right now. Yeah, you can point to everything from right where we're sitting. Well, shit, back when I was mayor, I could taking you up on top of the water tower, giving you a bird's eye view of everything. Oh, hell, that would do the interview up there. That would have been like days of confused, though. You'd have been like, you see that? See the blood right there? That's the blood from that freshman. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Don't fall. How many beers have you had? He only had one. But it's it's difficult living in a small community, yeah. not just in Iowa, all across the country, right. mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, this is an ag community. We got a lot of farmers in the surrounding area, and we fortunately last year started a farmers market here, and mm-hmm. that's great. But you know, it's it's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want a salad with supper every night, I can't buy. You know, lettuce, iceberg, sure, but I can't buy a nice lettuce that's going to keep for a week. Uh, and so if I want something fresh, it means I'm going to have to go to Iowa City, Washington, Muscatine, whatever. Yeah, And yeah, that sucks. And so I'm sorry, uh, Auditor Sand, but uh, <laughs> gas station pizza is garbage. So you're saying none of the above. None of the above. That's you know, right. If I have the option, if I'm out on the road and I need something right now that's got to come from a gas station, give me a hot dog. Oh, Because right. at least it's garbage. 
You I, know, it's, uh, I treat it to advertise. I just read an article on Twitter, so take that for what it's worth, but oh. it said a hot dog will take 35, 35 minutes, minutes off, off your life. life. Yeah. yeah. One hot dog? One glizzy, man. One glizzy. Like a, what? A glizzy? That's what they call them. Oh. Well, well, that's what the middle schoolers call them, glizzies. Well, is that yeah. a jumbo hot dog or just regular size? Just I need to know. hot dog. Well, if you run the numbers between 35 minutes mm. a hot dog and I think it's, what, seven minutes per cigarette, statistically, oh. I should have been dead at, like, <laughs> negative seven years old. <laughs> so I'm here fighting against the actuary. Beating all the odds. Oh, my God, getting after it. Well, here's the thing you forgot to add into the equation is hams will add minutes to your life. Oh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> so you might you might be supervisor for a long time. <laughs> well, <laughs> well it depends on how I do. Yeah, that's true. That's so fair. follow up to the uh, I, like to the pizza the 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 pizza controversy. I guess now I'll say pizza. No, I can't say. Don't pizza say PizzaGate. Gate. Don't say PizzaGate. We disavow uh, PizzaGate. Yeah, sorry. So uh, uh, wait a minute. I just want to preface whatever you're about to ask by pointing out to any hostile listeners that the Casey's and Lone Tree does not have a basement. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. That's good because otherwise. Yeah, right there. Well, Hillary Clinton's probably peddling child children down there. So, according to you know Alex you guys Jones, are spinning the hits here. That's good stuff. Alex That's Jones, funny. man, gay yeah. frogs. Yeah, gay frogs. Remember when we we saw the kid with a shirt at uh, the JD Shulton, Bernie Sanders. Oh yeah, Peter Dejere. Yeah. Um, gosh darn it! What did it say? You're gonna have to edit this out. I can't remember. Uh, oh, you're gonna have to read me in on this. I but it was this. so Alex Jones had this quote about. He's, remember, you had to have seen this video. The government's like, putting chemicals in the water. I'm tired of the government putting chemicals in the water that are turning the freaking frogs gay. Yes, I do remember that. So this kid had a shirt that said, make frogs straight again oh, or yeah. something. <laughs> that's right. That's what it was. Make <laughs> yeah. frogs straight again. It was at a Bernie Sanders, J.D. Shelton, Deidre DeGere. That was back in 2018. Yeah, probably. that was yeah. an unbelievable shirt. I was like, hey, do you mind if I take a picture of that? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> that's um, awesome. No, I completely lost my train of thought. Uh Pizza, pizza scandal. Pizza okay, scandal. so the scandal on the pizza, to follow up on that, with Casey's being just within uh, Stone's throw of the big twig here, how do you feel about the, the makeover Casey's has gone through here in the last year or so? Yeah, they went from bad to worse. Oh, yeah, wow. I'm not a fan of the, the change either. Yeah, I mean, their, their previous branding had, uh, you know, the merit of being nostalgic and yeah, I mean, I can not, get with that. Yeah, it, nothing to write. I mean, nothing to write home about, but consistency, longevity, uh, and then it's like we've gone to you know Looney Tunes, and so so much of this goes into cynical brand presentation, right? Sure. So come and go, for example, has got a very active. Uh, Twitter brand oh, yeah. presence. Just uh, I just want to put on the record here. Come and go did originate in my hometown of Hampton, Iowa. So I just we're still trying to get a sponsorship out of them. Yeah, we're working on that. That originated with the Rob Sand interview. Yeah. Okay. And, sorry, so you ahead. should probably bleep the rest of this. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and do that. No, these the views of, about to be presented right. belong to John Green and John Green only, and That's don't correct. represent <laughs> the views of Pines of Diplomacy in any way, shape, or form. Nor the Johnson County Board of Supervisors. There you go. Yeah, Supervisor yeah. Green. So we're all strictly safe. for himself. This is off the record. It'll air, but it'll. Technically off the record, right? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's just problematic when brands, you know. I appreciate that you know they want to do the right thing, but it's always from how much of this is strictly performative. Oh, yeah. You know what does it take for a brand to 
put out some pride flags during pride month what does it take to you know write some tweets but at the end of the day uh who was it that either you know off the top of your head who was it that uh said if you want to show me your values show me your budget that sort of thing okay i'm not sure my brain was going somewhere else with somebody else that made a comment well what do you got well uh bo burnham his recent special he he did a he was like making jokes about how companies they'll, they'll change their logo and have a pride flag on it or something and they'll do he he was just basically mocking like a commercial about you know how we should support gay rights and stuff like that and it's also why you should shop for Doctor Scholl's or something like he would like he would just spend <laughs> like what the hell are we doing like put your money where your mouth is and actually and you know like you were kind of saying like it's all performative sometimes or it comes across that way but Bo Burnham was on top of it he's like who the hell cares if Doctor Scholl's is against it. like put your money where your mouth is. Fund some organizations that actually take care of things. Do gay people have different feet than stray folks? <laughs> that I'd, would be that's a I don't know. Well, I don't know if Doctor Schultz is an actual doctor. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I think our feet are all the same. I don't know. But like, yeah, that's take be a on stand. A <laughs> yeah, right. All take, feet are the same. <laughs> take a stand. Like we all know Chick Fil A. We yeah. all know Chick Fil A stands. And then you can make a choice based on that, mm-hmm. like whether or not, or uh, what was the other one? It was a Hobby, Hobby Lobby. Lobby. Yeah. yeah, they came out and had a like. I mean, I'm not not going to be a big Hobby Lobby guy, but like I do have to applaud them for just like lay it out there and like let us know like how do you, then well, we then we can decide instead of the pandering. Well, Hobby Lobby is a special case because not only are they a bunch of hypocritical assholes, yep, they also you know plundered historical artifacts from Iraq out of the uh, black market and got roped into a big uh, Department of Justice. Uh, they got kind of sideways there a couple years ago. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I didn't know that either. The, uh, I believe it was for the Museum of the Bible that they uh, have. The tracks. And I just want to take a moment, since we're doing disclaimers right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Hobby Lobby Corporation is owned by their name. Uh, they're the Greens as well. Okay. And if no I don't believe they're any relation, and if they are, I hereby disclaim them. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. You Spe- denounce the throne. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to keep, if you're going to, you're on a roll here of denouncing things here. So I got another name for you to denounce. This person's name is John Green. Not you, I don't think. <laughs> but I found out recently on a Netflix special you should take a look at, it had to deal with the malice at the palace the Pistons-Pacers game like 10, 15 years ago where Ron Art- there was a big scuffle at the end, like 50 seconds left in the game, and Ron Artest is laying on the scores table and a fan threw a water bottle. And they do like a mm-hmm. kind of like Named a... Named John Green? That was the guy that uh, did it? Yeah, they, they found out the name of the person who threw the water bottle was John Green. It wasn't the person that Ron Artest, or sorry, Metal World Peace, ran after. That well, was a different guy. Past, he blew, yeah. blew past that guy <laughs> yep. and started leveling this other dude. Yep. And then, yeah, I watched it too. Yeah, so... You disavowed John Green. So I'm first of all, I'm kind of pissed off that you didn't give me this in the show prep. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just remembered came it. Up, probably. it just, I, you said oh, that. It reminded me of that. Incidental to the crime. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I just, I disclaim him as well. Oh, yeah, not you, not you. That, that was one of the most wild moments in sports history. I remember watching the highlights of that game, thinking, "What the hell." This was wild. That's a really good documentary that they did it too is. on Netflix of it. If it was you remember like, it, it's kind of it was really cool to watch. Yeah, it was like the last dance kind of vibe to it. I just, you know, about an hour long. For my show prep, I rewatched the YouTube of uh, about a month ago when the cat ran out at the uh, what was it, the Orioles? Oh yeah, uh, Yankees oh, yeah. game or yeah. something. 
Yeah. I didn't realize we were going to be making deep cuts to 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it just crossed my mind. I remember watching Pines that. diplomacy deep cuts. I, I was watching that. Deep tracks and I was only. Like, John Green, I'm like, Does it spell? And they, I think it's spelled the same too. It was Well, it, it's a common name, which yeah. is both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh. two fairly, yeah, common. If it was John Smith, it might be a little more common, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah, John Green's pretty common. Though. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep it light, I guess. I, I want to know, uh, just like we like to humanize people, but uh, what kind of music do you listen to? What's your go-to oh, kind of music? That's a good question. Well, no, it's it's a very vague bullshit question to be honest. No, no, like, no. It's not, I'm like, curious about that too. Well, no, I'm I'm legit curious. That's why I'm asking. All right, let me. Uh, oh, here we go. Deep tracks only. Well, let's go to the library. I'll just. Uh, you, if you can play it, you can put that right up to that mic, and it will play. It'll pick it up. I what mean, you, what are you digging for? Well, I know, Spotify. I don't know. Or, no, yeah, I'm pulling up Spotify. I'm just gonna rattle off a couple you know what that we should make that a recurring statement we yes. should make their guests pull out spotify and tell us you know what their top played songs are yep all right what do we got here um, and then we're gonna look at youtube history and <laughs> no i'm just kidding what internet history yeah your google search history <laughs> so we got dessa she is out of the twin cities she is amazing uh five out of six is the track uh this one i really like but there's been some scuttlebutt that I might get invited to do like a guest DJ at Gabe's, which is a tavern up in Iowa City. Oh, hell yeah. Invite us to that. We'll go there. I, we'll, get, I will, we'll get drunk and celebrate with you. Amen. But <laughs> I'm going to keep that uh, private for now okay. for matters of national security. Yep. <laughs> uh, highly Suspect. I really like them. Oh, yeah. I've heard of them. Uh, AWOL Nation. I got all kinds A-Wall of crazy Nation. shit okay. on here. Uh, the Mars Volta. Cody Jenks. Oh, Cody Jenks is awesome. Poe. Uh, Wax Fang has got a track with the most amazing guitar solo, uh, with Lacey Guthrie. Okay. Uh, Glass Island, just fucking amazing. Alabama Shakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, She's, like, watching videos of her, I don't know her name, the singer for Alabama Shakes, she put some stank on it, is the way that I would describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, she's good. She is so good. Yeah. Sorry. Genesis Phil Collins. Oh, yeah. Mechanics. Uh, you know Taylor Swift. Oh, you fuck oh, with Taylor yeah. Swift? Yeah, he can get he can get yeah. down. With She's one of Swift. My, I, I say this, and I, I I mean this. When she came out with her documentary on Netflix, and the portion where she started talking about her decision to, I guess, go political, quote unquote, that pumped me up. I she she was quiet for a while, and it was I was excited to see her use her influence for good, not Certainly. because she wanted to had an agenda. She was just, for, I guess, a personal agenda. She just wanted good things to happen, and. That was cool. I think she spoke out against Marsha Blackburn, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. I fucking loved that documentary. That was awesome. Yeah. Was and, you know, it's it's a cop out to say that I don't want to get political talking about music because all music is political. Mm-hmm. Right? There, whether it's uh, Ohio, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, whether uh, one of the best videos I've seen in the last few years was... Uh, DJ Shadow Run the Jewels, Nobody Speak or Don't Speak or whatever. Okay. Yeah, the video is in, it's supposed to be like the United Nations and it just evolves into a complete fracas. Okay. And it's just a tremendous track and a wonderful video. Uh, You know, all art is political. Yeah. And it's, it's frankly chicken shit to to deny that, whether... Mm -hmm. Whether it's gospel music, whether it's anything, yeah, uh, you know, Man on the Corner, Phil Collins. If you want to go back to my '80s stuff, you know, another cup of coffee, Mike and the Mechanics. That's a song about domestic violence. Yeah, everything has got a lens. Everything's got an angle. I I personally love every Fourth of July 
Martina McBride, Independence Day, how everybody hears that song and they go, oh, yeah, America. And they don't really listen to the actual lyrics of the song. And it's actually about, like, domestic abuse. And, yeah, that's just a classic. And sometimes how you can use art to be subversive to make political points Mm -hmm. where it's the subtext versus the text. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What about TV shows? What are your go-to TV shows? Uh, so I am a huge Star Trek nerd, but I've never owned a television, so I stream Star Trek, and that's it. No shit. No shit. You stream Star Trek, and that's it. Oh, so you like no office, no... Uh, my ex-wife loved The Office, and so I've absorbed some of that. We'll, dis- uh, we'll disavow The Office on, just because of that. We'll, dis- well, no. well, no, you don't no, need to no. disavow. No, we won't? I'm hanging on tight. <laughs> you, you don't need to disavow it I because I have office. no knowledge of it. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's, fair enough. that's one of the nice things, plausible deniability. I take I take back my disavow. I no, still yeah, love the you office. Can still love the I love office. it. I love it a lot. You're, you're avowing it. Oh, yeah, I'm avowing it. I uh, love the office. Avowing uh, it. I'm avowing it, yeah. Uh, yeah, wow, interesting. That's Star Wars fan at all, movies? I enjoy it. I'm not one of the okay. Star Trek fans or Star Wars fans that thinks that there can only be one. Yeah, sure. I think that they both happen to take place in space, but... Star Trek is kind of a, a techno-utopian view of how the future could be, how perhaps it will be, whereas Star Wars is more of an allegory. And I don't want to get too far out over my skis because yeah. I've seen the original trilogy and I've seen bits and pieces of the later stuff, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But it does not grab me by the lapels okay. like Star Trek does. Okay, You know, it's... It, like I said, they both happen to take place in space, but they're just totally different critters. So I'm going to say something. Please don't get offended because my opinion changed, though. I've I feel about. like he. Well, that's. I well, feel like when you're thin skin, he's well, going to get offended. <laughs> I may not good. take offense, but I will take well, umbrage. Like, yeah, I have, <laughs> yeah, I have two minutes. You have two minutes after you say something to say don't take offense, and they can't take offense. I've <laughs> yeah. learned that. Um, <laughs> not to be offensive, yeah, but, but insert offensive. Comment. My thought growing up was like Star Wars was for the mainstream nerds. And Star Trek were for the real fucking nerds. And that was like, like that was the thing. Yeah, hardcore nerds. Yeah. Well, no, I take that as a compliment. Yeah, I mean, I guess nerds, I mean, I think nerds, I mean, that's kind of a, I always say I'm like, I'm a nerd about politics and stuff. But mm-hmm. kind of goes just, back to what you were saying before. Like, you just kind of wear it on your sleeve. You are yeah, who you are. Yeah, you are, yeah. No, I, but I'll tell you what, I watched the, the one of, not the most recent Star Trek movie. It was the, the first one they came out with that was like more 2000, it was like 2010 or something. They came out with one. That, I I was hooked into that one. The one with Chris Pine? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I got Pine. into that, and so I thought, fuck, am I am I one of them now? Am I one of them? No, you're I not. was into it. You're I liked not. it. That doesn't qualify. I you didn't get... have prior knowledge. You didn't know. Yeah, I got to yeah, go to the movie. movie. I, I'm, giving, I'm giving you shit, but it is. Uh, so that's the thing. Again, it's interesting how malleable the stories we tell ourselves are. So J.J. Abrams has overseen the three movies of the reboot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as somebody who is deep into Star Trek, I go into that and it's like, yeah, this stuff is familiar. I know all of these characters, but everything's off. Well, like when Derecho hit my folks' place, off 1.3 degrees, just enough that it's like you're kind of looking through somebody else's prescription glasses. Mm-hmm. Things are just a little bit sideways. My main trek with J.J. Abrams is I think he's a little bit too kinetic. He loves fucking lens flare. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Whereas I think the best of Star Trek is really cerebral. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did a service to the to both fandom and Star Trek larger just because it brings a new audience mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, out of the original cast from the three series, uh, three season TV show in the sixties, you know, a handful of them are still alive. Yeah. I've spent my, you know, I've been growing up watching my heroes die. Crazy. But this is an opportunity to bring it to a new and more diverse audience. And yeah. so I'm, I'm all for that. Even if, you know, J.J. Abrams called me up and said, well, we're, we're in the editing room. I want you to come give me comments. I'd be like, ah, this is bullshit. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm very grateful yeah. that it continues. You know, there's a bunch of new stuff on TV. Star Trek Discovery is getting ready to start its fourth season. Star Trek Picard is getting ready to start its second. I think Lower Decks is coming back for a second season. Wow. There's been talks of two additional spinoffs. And... I think that's great. Yeah. Nobody's going to look at you, though, and think, that guy, he's a Trekkie. No, I like <laughs> I think that's awesome. Type. That's a little wild card, mixing it up, throwing people off. Yeah, I mean, going back to the music question, I'm not going to say that I dislike country. Right. But out of all of the genres, country is the one that I listen the least to, uh, especially modern country. Yeah, that stadium country kind of... I used to be a big Luke Bryan guy back when... He wrote his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I'm kind of, eh, he's more stadium country, like Kenny Chesney. And like all those guys, like Kenny Chesney, Jason Aldean, all them, they had really great early stuff that I that was kind of, that shaped country music. Now it's all stadium. I personally, and I was just at the State Fair, I went to Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. I love how raw and pure he is, his voice. Eric Church has got a little outlaw in him. I like that because they kind of stay true to who they were. But I'm a big 90s, I love 90s country. I would love, I love in the summer sitting outside cracking a beer or like moving on a river and listen to listening to like... Strawberry wine, all that shit. Oh, it's just great to me. A few years ago, I uh, I somehow ended up on a party bus. I think <laughs> I, I think I just kind of invited myself along, <laughs> and we ended up somewhere down south. I think it was the wagon wheel in Washington, and my hair was just a little bit longer than it is now, and I had a big beard. And, and somebody they they were a little bit intoxicated, but they were like, "Are you Chris Stapleton?" <laughs> I'm like. First of all, I was like, who the hell is Chris Stapleton? <laughs> I can't wait for the Yeah, then somebody puts a parachute on the jukebox. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. Yeah. But no, I'm not Chris Stapleton. Oh, man. I'm <laughs> really if, if, if you want to hear me sing, you better bring earplugs because your ears will bleed. Yeah. I think, it's not going to be pretty. I feel like Chris Staples, somebody, Chris Stapleton is somebody you could relate with a little bit because he is his authentic self. I mean, he goes out there with an image and he doesn't really, he hasn't really gotten into that stadium country. He just, he it's knows he's he got a and... wildly good and mm-hmm. impressive voice, and yeah. he leans into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've listened to a little bit of his stuff since then, and I happen to enjoy it. And I also respect somebody who, I was going to say knows his own limitations, but that is the wrong thing. That That's not what I want to convey. Yeah. He could be a commercial superstar, I imagine, oh, if he sure. cared to be. For sure. But he recognizes the limitations of that system, and he's happy to just do his thing. And, you know, for the three of us, we'd all consider him wildly successful. Yeah, yeah I'm sure I'm sure he makes pretty good money mm-hmm. and he's doing what he loves to do. And I admire the hell out of that where he says, yeah, maybe I could make five, ten times more money or whatever, get five times more airplay. But I'm just going to keep doing things the way that I want to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's what I'm trying to model in my own politics. Yeah, for sure. Just. Maybe I could be more successful if I wanted to, I guess the analog isn't exactly perfect to say commercialize myself more, but, you know, maybe rub down some mm-hmm. of the hard 
corners and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Because I know that I can be a difficult person to deal with. I did not get that vibe whatsoever. Well, you, were, uh, you responded on when I DM'd you pretty quickly, and you were more than like you you worked with me very well to set this up. It was like it was like nothing. Set yeah, this up. but you're coming to me in good faith. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and and that's the one thing that I've got zero patience for. Mm-hmm. If you come to me with some bullshit straw man argument, uh, and you're like, "Oh, gotcha," I'm like, "Yeah, you do got me." Now, here I am drinking a fucking IPA in my backyard. You can fuck the fuck right the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, you got, I, we got one more question. Each, I maybe, do have, I have kind of a serious question, which we can switch the order of them if you want. Sure, this is going to be weird, maybe. Okay, but one of the one of the stereotypes of the Democratic Party in the state of Iowa, is that we're losing rural Iowans, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're they're voting Republican. So if you look at, like, the, the pivot voters, the voters that had voted for Obama and then turned and, and voted for Obama twice, then turned and vote for Trump, how do, how do Democrats connect? What do they need to do to connect with those voters? Because we've got, we'll have an upcoming gu- uh, gubernatorial, I feel weird saying Goober. it that way. Goober. But, gubernatorial. Yeah, but, we, you know, like, with something like that, like, how can that? How can those Democrats reach out to to the rural Iowans? How can they connect with them to get those pivot voters to vote Democrat? Well, I mean, it's not both, but I think things have started to turn since the 2018 cycle, where Democrats are doing a better job of running credible, enthusiastic, authentic candidates for a lot of races, and unfortunately, a lot of them got their teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take that. It's going to take cycles of that, unfortunately, because it takes time to build credibility. Lone Tree is a 61% Republican town. I got elected mayor here, not because the Republicans agree with me, but some of them, you know, they might have said, okay, I want to change. Some of them might have said, well, I just ain't going to bother to vote on this. Mm-hmm. Because they know that if they want to come talk to me, I'll talk to them. I'll give them a fair hearing if they want to argue in good faith. They they know, we know, that at the end of the day, they're probably not going to change my mind. I'm probably not going to change theirs. But there's a mutual respect that they're my neighbors. And so just having folks that live in rural communities running for offices, even knowing, you know, yeah, I did run for county supervisor and got elected pretty handily but johnson county is not the other 98 counties in the state i get that yeah but having people who live out here in the boonies that are you know active and you know wearing our principles our hearts on our sleeves and whatnot people respect that even if they don't disagree with it because i'm always honest with folks i say if i get elected i want to do x y and z i might not get it done but this is what i want to do and they say well that's shit. I don't want none of that. But they respect that you are talking to them as a person mm-hmm. and saying, I'm willing to put in the work, and it is a lot of work, and we are not going to agree. But at the same time, it's also, there's a lot of this stuff transcends party politics. It's like, I want to try and get the stretch of highway straight north out of town moved up in the county road program so it gets rebuilt sooner rather than later. We get a lot of bicycle traffic from Iowa City down here. It's a shit road, and it's got gravel shoulders that are about the size of a skinny tie from the 50s. I'd like to see those redone with wide paved shoulders. So everybody can use the roads, not Mm -hmm. just motorists, whether it be bicyclists, pedestrians, you know, 
it's that nuts and bolts sort of stuff. I want to make sure that when you go turn on your faucet, you're getting clean water. That when you take a shit, we're taking care of that. The water that our new wastewater facility that's going to come online in November or December, the water that comes out of that plant is going to be cleaner than the water in the creeks around here, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. And people get that. They might not like it. Everybody wants to talk about taxes, but Oliver Wendell Holmes, he was a Supreme Court justice back in the 20s and 30s, he said, taxes are the price we pay for civilized society. Yeah. I realize that a lot of Republicans these days are trending toward anarchy and, you know, mayhem and our authoritarianism and all that. But there are still some conservatives around who understand that government does have a role to play. COVID has kind of screwed that up because everybody has let masks and vaccinations get so catawampus. Mm -hmm. But it's also an opportunity to show, hey, if we do our shit right, government can be a force for good. The most important thing that, you know, I've got a lot of truck with Joe Biden, but one of the things that I think he is helping to do is finally break the four-decade-long consensus that Ronald Reagan, you know, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Well, yeah, goddamn right we're here to help. There are some things that we can only do all together. And the only things that we are doing all together are under the aegis of government. You Mm -hmm. can't privatize government. It has to be for the people, by the people. Yep. Ronald Reagan would be eviscerated by the Republicans today. Somebody that enlarges the national deficit and, and is willing to work with immigrants coming across the border. He'd be absolutely eviscerated. Yeah, and since he's my uh, favorite punching bag right now, Dick Nixon would probably be to the left of Joe Manchin. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. And maybe Kirsten Cinema too. You never know. Next, uh, last question. Not, next, final last question. Final last, last, question. last question. Final last question, <laughs> we'll call it. Um, Unless we come up with one more final last yeah, question. Yeah, no, this has been fun. Uh, You're making it hard to end. That's yeah, a, no, yeah. this is great. You're, it's your fault. When you were... I accept full responsibility. We, we, we were reading on the way down here. We, I mean, we love to just keep doing research on stuff. And it, they, we read an article that said you got legalized all drugs mm-hmm. onto the Democratic platform. No, I didn't. I, I wholeheartedly supported it. But if you look at the way that the state convention works, it's not anything that one person does. Right. I, okay. Okay. I argued forcefully for it. Jason Noble, when he was at the register, he interviewed me about it and some other people. Okay. But that wasn't a John Green thing. That was a team effort that I was part of. Sure. And did it get on the platform? Yeah. Okay. So all drugs. Yep. Mm, Okay. (laughs) No, I'm not, uh, I'm not disagreeing. I'm trying to, uh, you smoke weed? I fucking knew it. I'd learned that. What I've learned in the last year, since COVID really took off. A lot of people that I thought, and I mean, because I've been trained to believe, cultured, I guess, society has taught me that people who smoke weed are bad people. And I've learned a lot of people that are held in high regards in communities. That are not actually bad people. They're not. They're yeah. not. They're held in high regards, and it shouldn't have nothing to do with it. But they smoke weed. Mm-hmm. But they hide it because they're afraid and all that stuff. And it's, it's like, to me, I've learned that it's not that big of a deal. No. Let, let's take... <laughs> The the two most prevalent legal drugs that we have, yeah, tobacco and alcohol. Right. When people razz me about smoking cigarettes, I tell them I'm going to continue smoking cigarettes until we have Medicaid for all in this country or some form of mm-hmm. universal health insurance. Because every pack of cigarettes that I buy, one dollar a pack since 2008 when Obama was in office, 
$1 a pack goes to subsidize SCHIP, the State Children Health Insurance Program. So right. I'm paying for kids' health insurance. And uh, in 1996, the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association uh, released a study that if you want to get up my backside about how smoking means that I'm going to use up more health resources because of uh, all the bad things that it does to me, which it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the nice thing is we smokers, we die sooner and we use fewer health resources sure. through the entire course of our life. So yeah. I'm actually lowering the burden on this dysfunctional health system that we have in this country. Smoking is not a moral thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's moral in the past 18 months in so much as if you're a conscientious smoker. The thing is, I'm always washing my fucking hands. Yeah. Because you got to wash your hands after you have burn one. Yeah. Uh, but there's no moral component there. Does it mean that I'm a weak person with loose morals? I think that's probably a stretch. You might be true, but it's got nothing to do with the fact that I smoke Marlboros. <laughs> booze is the same thing. A lot of people use booze. A lot of people abuse booze. Yeah. That's not the moral component, just the use of it. It's the same thing. I've known a lot of good people. And when I say good people, you know, if they wanted to be, they could go run a church somewhere that have been heroin users. Yeah. And it's not a moral thing. It just isn't. And by dealing with drug use when it becomes drug abuse, Singularly through a criminal justice lens, we are screwing up so much shit, and we're also adding so much racial stuff into things, so much class stuff into things. You know, methamphetamine is a trouble, is a problem around here right now. Mm-hmm. It, it never went away, but it's kind of enjoying a resurgence. Why is that? Is, is it because people want to be whacked out on meth? No, it's because people want to be whacked out. Why? It's because income inequality. It's because of hopelessness. It is because the fucking grocery store closed four years ago. Mm -hmm. Why is it that Americans want to get fucked up? Let's address those issues instead of incarcerating people and using them as profit centers, whether it be the incarcerated folks in the state of Iowa who are building Test Iowa COVID-19 test kits, whether it be cash bail, Whether it be pulling somebody over for having expired tags, that's the reason our taxes are as low as they are in Iowa is because we shift those burdens onto poor people who are making status offenses. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was and remain wholeheartedly behind the prospect that we need to decriminalize all drugs and deal with our mental health crises deal with crises of inequality, access to health care, access to education, access to local foods, on and on and on and on. I'm pretty sure that's the, the that line of thinking was what got uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called a fucking bitch on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah. That's what she was arguing right there, is we look at criminals as in they're criminals, that's how they always were, instead of trying to address the behavior or the things that got them to, you know, led them down that path. Yeah, and she's also a woman of color. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, was know, probably no, the biggest thing they felt like. Yeah, they nobody could... calls me a bitch. No, they won't. Because you'll, but... you'll pull out a pack of Marlboros and fucking crash a, or smack a whole. Smack hams smack on them. Smack a hams on them. Yeah, or you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll shotgun a hams and they'll be like, all right, well, that's somebody I can relate with. And I ain't wasting a perfectly good ham. <laughs> Wait till it's empty. Wait till it's empty. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to kick the shit out of you, and then I'm going to ask for my nickel return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
Oh man. Well, you know this. My watch is dead. This has been a long uh, interview. I, this has been great. It's flown by. I yeah. it felt like thirty five minutes, but this has been like an hour it's and a half. It's getting dark around us. Yeah. It's like, oh man, maybe we need to let him go. But um. So no, it's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. We appreciate you. I guess letting us come down to the, to the big twig and taking the time to sit through the night and do an interview with us. This has been been more than terrific. I really hope when we shut the mics off, we don't have to leave right away. <laughs> like, I want to continue. I might, I might need a couple more beers. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't have any uh, scheduling conflict for the next few hours. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, hopefully our... I mean, I'm, oh, we're on, I forgot we're doing the video. Oh, no. I'm like, yeah, like no, we don't have to leave right away. You no, know, our uh, our listeners are gonna love the shit out of this interview. This yeah, is this gonna is be great. This stuff. is gonna be one of our more hundred uh, percent more listened to uh, episodes. So, again, John, thank you so much for inviting us down. Um, and I hope whenever you're doing this DJ thing, we can we can cut that from the interview if you don't want people to know. No, I don't give a shit. Uh, we will hundred percent come to Iowa City yeah. for that. Hundred percent. I don't care if it's on a school night. I'll take a fucking sick day. Yeah. I'm sorry. It'll be a personal <laughs> day. I will not be sick. If anybody listens to this. Yep. I will not be sick. I will be. I will take an unpaid personal day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I just want to close on one note, which is you were talking about privilege earlier, and Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the privilege I have. Okay. Which is that I am an elected official, which means I answer to nobody but the voters. Mm -hmm. And so that informs a big part of the reason why I try and be no bullshit. This is who I am. If if I'm going to DJ a set at Gabe's. It ain't no secret to nobody. You can come find me there. You yell at me if you want. Well, you'll have to yell since it's Gabe's. <laughs> uh, but I I want to ensure that I always remain mindful myself of the fact that I have opportunities other folks do not. And I have a responsibility to be myself, not just because it may be good politics, but also because, you know, there are people like me in Johnson County. They might not look like me, but they have the same values, the same shit that's important to them, and I need to be ready to step out and take the risks. You know, uh, somebody was telling me a couple weeks ago, you know, maybe you should tone this other thing down because mm-hmm. it's it's going to screw up. You're getting reelected. i got to run again next year since this is a special election. Okay. And I'm like, no, I don't. I just need to govern the best that I can, and if I do that, re-election is going to take care of itself. I know that people are going to be pissed off at me, and people are going to have legit reasons to be pissed off at me, because as a human being, I fuck up twice before breakfast, and people need to call me out, and I need to remain grounded enough to respond to those call-outs and not become so in my own head about elections and polls and all that shit. I need to just do the best work I can do and not give a flying fuck about any of the rest of it. I tell you what, I asked Dave Lobsack, how does he feel about you know having to go face re-election every two years? And he gave damn near the same an- same answer. Do my job. I do my job well. Election, re-election will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. That's all he said. Yeah. Um, if you look at the numbers in Iowa, too, we're about to get new maps here in the next month or so. Nervous. But if you look at the maps that Lobsack faced, he he did the work and he got reelected time mm-hmm. after time after time. We have differences of opinion, just like I have with anybody else. Mm-hmm. But I respect and acknowledge the fact that he managed to easily win reelection time after time after time mm-hmm. when we dropped that seat last year. Yep, by like what six seven votes. 
Depends on how you count them. Yeah, right. Uh, it depends on which ones you count, which ones you don't. Yep. Bingo. I mean, yeah. that's that's the Republican playbook, right? Yep. Don't yeah. don't try and win votes. Try and slice and dice the electorate. Yeah. We uh, we interviewed Rita Hart too, and she was spectacular. Yeah, she was awesome. That was a great interview. But yeah, again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. This has been a spectacular episode. All right. So, yeah. All thank right. you. Thank you. Politics is not touch football. Politics is winner take all. It always has been, and it always will be. Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their love with women all across this country. There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America.